This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 59 is sponsored by Blueberry Markets. Forex trading is keeping a lot of people above water right now and will continue to do so in the future. During this time, don't mess around with a shady broker. If you're outside the United States, the choice is easy. It's Blueberry Markets. I'll tell you why down below in the description where you can click on the blog for Blueberry Markets that will lay out everything you have to know. And at the bottom of that blog is my special affiliate link. If you click that link, you will get a cashback bonus and your own personal customer service representative. Should anything go wrong, you will not find this anywhere else. So make sure you click that link down below in the description. And if you are inside of the United States, you guys know I have you covered as well. I have a different link in the description for you. It is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast, and let's open the show by talking about the overall crypto market as it stands right now. If you zoom out, you can see that we are experiencing probably the very first meaningful bullish retracement in the bear market that we have been in all year. You know, we've had much smaller ones, and people still for some reason get all excited and think we've rebounded, and they immediately get wrecked, uh, but that's what you get for not knowing what a retracement is or why they occur. If they want to take the market down, they're going to take the market down, but they need liquidity, just like anything else, and they need your liquidity. And thankfully for them, there's still a lot of people out there that still just don't get it and will enter on any kind of rebound, big or small, which makes their job very easy. But in any bear market, you will see longer bull rallies which serve as those retracements, which serve as those moments where the bears get that liquidity to take the market down even further. Now, you guys know I still have a very bearish bias towards the crypto market and the stock market in general. Um, And so far, my track record has been very good. But you guys also know that I will make moves based on what my chart tells me, just in case I'm wrong. Because I'm not going to be right every time. Hard to believe, I know. Uh, But overall, I do think there is going to be a very good opportunity to get into a lot of positions at very, very low prices, prices we have not seen yet. You know, I still think we have a huge washout in the stock market for all the reasons I've mentioned in the past. Uh, The six crises is a big part of that. If you have not heard me talk about that, I will link the blog post to this down below where I really lay it out deeper. Uh, But for me, it's really hard to make a compelling bull case, especially a long-term bull case, when you have these things still looming overhead. Now, again, I may be wrong. And if I am wrong, I feel the need to push these watch list videos out at a bit of a quicker pace uh, because the watch list is fairly long, actually. And I want to make sure I get the majority of these out and allow them the proper amount of time to explain them. And on that note, if you could, please do not ask me about particular projects down in the YouTube comments section. I mean, bear in mind, it takes me anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes per episode to explain to you my overall thoughts on one single project. So to ask my opinion on something and then expect a good full answer in the YouTube comments section is not very wise or very appropriate. I'm glad you guys respect my opinion on these things, like I always say, but time and a place, guys. If I have a strong opinion on it, I will probably talk about it. And if I have any changes of heart 
to current positions or if I exit, I will almost always talk about that on Twitter. And that link is always down below in the show notes for you as well. Um, Now, again, I'm not required to do that, but I do try my best. And remember, my transparency on all these positions is completely voluntary. So just take what I give you. Um, But I will try to give you as much as I can. Now, moving on to the topic du jour. My case for Avalanche may not be as compelling as my cases for XRP or Polygon, but I do think it is compelling nonetheless. Now, Avalanche is a layer one. Now, let's do something here. Let's go back to Q4 of last year, 2021. You know, the race for whoever's going to be the top layer one or the second best was really heating up. There's a lot of debate. Um, But here is how I personally saw that race right around the end of 2021. All right, so you had Ethereum, which was top dog, pretty much undisputed. It will be that way in the future, who knows, but at the present time, it was certainly number one. Then that next level down, I think had two real contenders. You had Cardano, which we've spoken about many times on this show. And then you could really make a case for Solana at the time. Remember, we're not talking about now. We're talking about Q4 2021. You know, there are a lot of people saying ADA was going to take over. There's a lot of people saying Sol was going to take over and dethrone Ethereum one day because of reasons X, Y, and Z. Then you had another layer below those two, and that's where I would put projects like Polkadot and Avalanche. Two projects that have their own fan base that people like a lot, but just were not punching at the same weight as Cardano and Solana were at the time. You know, I think that's pretty fair to say. And then if you want to go another level below that, you have your Cosmos, your Algorand, and some of those mid-tier up-and-coming projects, you know, who just weren't quite in the conversation yet. Then 2022 came around, and along with it came the bear market, and we got to see a much clearer picture of who these level ones really were. Solana, even though the market cap is still there, you know, at least the ranking is, really just kept tripping over itself at every turn. Now, you still have a ton of VC money backing it. It's super centralized. And that money is less likely to bail than investor money is. So I think that's why it's still in the top 10. Um, But as a blockchain that people are taking seriously, it is no longer in that second tier. You might be hard-pressed to argue that it's in the third tier. I would say that during these past four, five, six months, Cardano really has started to smell like a rose just by doing what it's always done, putting its head down, doing things right, you know, which isn't super sexy or appealing in a bull market. But when a bear market comes around, people slowly start to see the value of projects that do things this way. So I think as it stands right now, you would still have Ethereum in that top tier, and then you would have Cardano all by itself in that next tier down. But what about the tier below that? I think there's been a shift in positioning there as well. Now, keep in mind, this is just my opinion, but I couldn't even put Solana in the third tier. You know, until it stops becoming a punchline and starts really recovering and starts gaining real prominence once again, I still can't put it in the third tier. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Now, what about Polkadot? It was already in the third tier. Well, the good thing is, is they haven't done a lot to tarnish their name, but they haven't been doing a whole lot of things 
either. They haven't been nearly as active as some of the other Layer 1s. You know, they had their sidechain auction, great. Uh, but they're just not giving investors a reason to be excited. You know, I would say third place right now, by default, is Avalanche. You know, I'm not saying they're a strong number three, but I'm saying they're probably number three right now. Avalanche has been quite active, despite the fact that they were falling at a higher clip than pretty much any layer one out there for a while. Um, now let's start by talking about reasons why that may have been the case. You know, you had that Solana sidechain hack in February that Avalanche kind of got caught up in, but at the end of the day, it really got pinned more on Solana because Solana has been such a whipping boy this past year. And the whole Avalanche guilt by association kind of went away, um, but it did hurt at the time. Now, the one really big mistake that Avalanche made was hitching their wagon to UST. Um, they bought a lot of it, and they lost their ass on it. That was right about reported at least at $200 million, um, which is no small chunk of change, but for a company that has capitalized as much as Avalanche was, it also didn't kill them. You know, it was a wound, but it is a wound that will heal, and in many ways may have already healed. You know, a lot of the projects on my watch list, you know, you know, Polygon, which I've already talked about, and AVAX has pumped pretty good in this past retracement rally, which is a good sign that the perceived worst may be behind us here. But if you're ever sitting there looking at CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap and watching Avalanche fall and thinking, good Lord, why is it falling so much more than everything else? Even Solana, you know, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This was part of the reason why, and I think a pretty good part of the reason why. Because you have to remember, Avalanche, as much as it tries to be decentralized, it has a lot of VC money in it too, which as a company can be a very good thing in this particular case. So let's talk about some of the other bull cases here. Uh, for one, it just keeps building. It's built a Bitcoin bridge in the past year. It's raised a ton of money. The number of overall Avalanche wallets has gone up a lot this year, despite the bear market. It's added on storage features, which are really needed. It had its own conference in Barcelona, which drew about 4,000 attendees, give or take, if I recall. Yeah, which I actually thought was very high because you just don't hear about very enthusiastic communities centering around AVAX, but apparently it does exist. You know, you may not think 4,000 people at a conference is a whole lot, but to be able to draw that many people to stop what they're doing and come to a conference about Avalanche, to me, actually seems pretty significant. You know, it just goes to show that a community is there. And during a summer where a lot of people just did not have the money to travel. You know, a conference outside the United States for one singular blockchain still turned out very well. Better than a lot of people expected. So overall, you know, I don't think Avalanche is lighting the world on fire with what they're building and how much they're building and how much money they're raising. But they're doing more than their competition is. And right now at the same time, I also feel like there's a lot less bearish reasoning attached to it. You know, especially when you factor in the price, which we will talk about in a moment. I want to add on a couple other components while we're here. Now, the first is the DeFi component. They have a DEX called Trader Joe, which not even probably two, three months ago was quite popular. You know, it fell off hard 
in the last few months, which pretty much everything DeFi related has. And I looked into Trader Joe back then just to see, you know, what kind of rates you could get. And the rates to me, compared to what was already out there, weren't even terribly exciting, but people loved using this platform. And through the early part of this year, it still had about a billion five in TVL um, before it dropped down to about one tenth of that currently. That is a big, big drop. And it wasn't even really done for a whole lot of reasoning, except for the fact that people just stopped using DeFi. Now, there will come a time where people start using DeFi again, and you already have a fairly proven concept here on the Avalanche chain. You know, there's a lot of people who could have cared less about Avalanche, but really loved using Trader Joe and investing in the Trader Joe token, the ticker symbol JOE, if I recall. So overall, I think Trader Joe for Avalanche is an asset, not a liability, and has a lot of room to recover. Now, moving on to what I always talk about, and that is metaverse projects. As far as metaverse projects go, not really too impressive, at least not right now. Now, they do have, Avalanche does, has maybe four or five projects that do fairly well within their community. They're just not projects anybody's really heard of. Have you heard of Heroes Chained? Have you heard of Crypto Dragons? Have you heard of Krabata? You know, most people have not, but people are playing these games and keeping them afloat. Now, you may laugh, but some of these games are actually out and playable. Now, do you know how many out and playable games Cardano officially has? Zero. And on my neat little magic spreadsheet, all of the Avalanche games are dwarfing, you know, even Cardano's top projects in terms of search volume. You know, so I'm not really sure overall what to make of that. Now, Avalanche's, one of their big strategies for the metaverse, at least, is to build bridges to games that already do well. They've talked about making a bridge to Other Side, which is the big um, board ape metaverse. And also was looking at DeFi Kingdoms and making a bridge to that. So this is kind of a neat little strategy, I think. You know, just sit back and find out what is working. Uh, because Metaverse and play-to-earn game projects are such a crapshoot. You know, and just find ways to link to them. You know, yet to be seen. But I'm not seeing any other blockchains do this. And I think it's a pretty interesting strategy. So as you can probably tell, you know, do I have the same level of conviction with Avalanche that I do with XRP and Polygon? No, I clearly don't. Uh, but is it on my watch list and am I going to invest in it when it's time? Absolutely. That part has not changed. From its high, you can currently get about a 5.5x gain if it gets back to there. Um, but if for whatever reason you are allowed to come back down to prices we saw a few weeks ago, this now turns into about an 8x gain. You know, put that all together. An 8x gain if it gets back to its old high. For a layer one that, in my opinion, is comfortably sitting in third place right now. And you can debate that all you want, but I doubt anybody could put it any lower than four. A project that seems like it has the worst behind it, and a project that does what you're supposed to do in a bear market and keep building and keep raising money and keep finding ways to do things better. You know, at these prices, I'm on board. And as prices drop, if they do, I am even more on board. Now, I do fully understand being interested in a layer one that wasn't even top four back when the market was good does seem a bit crazy. But we are not investing for the past. We are investing for the future. And we are not crazy. We are just early.